Welcome back to Scriptures with Mom and Terry. Let's see if we can read stuff like this to see if, because nobody else can actually hear me because it's so loud in here. But I wonder if it would be ridiculous to try and read it like this. Okay, we're going to be reading Genesis chapter 28 to 33. Just a summary. It's Jacob leaves the land of Canaan, the land promised through the Abrahamic covenant to find a wife on his journey he has a vision and the promises of the abrahamic covenant are also promised to jacob jacob meets rachel and works for laban to earn her hand in marriage dude one of my favorite stories but also makes me super mad right jacob marries leah leah rachel zilpa and bilha he has one daughter, Dinah, and 12 sons. After 20 years of working for Laban, the Lord commands Jacob to return to the land of Canaan. Jacob's name is changed to Israel, and Jacob reunites with Esau. And when his name gets changed to Israel is when we start getting confused <laughs> with all the names. Okay, so Jacob's wives and children. So Leah had Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Dinah, the daughter, and then Bilhah had Dan and Naphtali, Zilpah had Gad and Asher, and then Rachel had Joseph and Benjamin. Okay, so we're just going to start Genesis 28. Okay, Isaac forbids Jacob to marry a Canaanite. He blesses Jacob and his seed with the blessings of Abraham. Esau marries a daughter of Ishmael. Jacob sees in vision a ladder reaching up into heaven. The Lord promises him seed as the dust of the earth in number. The Lord also promises Jacob that in him and in his seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Jacob covenants to pay tithes. Okay, I can't actually read it like that. But that's because I was reading super close to my face and it's super blurry <laughs> but now I can read on the paper because the summaries don't usually get included okay and Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and changed him and said unto him thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan and that seems typical because of how Abraham didn't want uh, his son to marry or I, Abraham didn't want Isaac to marry a Canaanite either, and so it makes sense. Uh, Arise and go to Padanaram, to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. And then verse 3, it says, And God Almighty bless thee, and make thee fruitful, and multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude. Of people so it was totally normal for Isaac to think that Jacob could find somebody somewhere else because of his success right and actually since he sent Jacob himself he would probably have better luck um, just because like he Isaac you know trusted the Lord and Abraham trusted the Lord so much that they sent a servant but at least Jacob gets to go so that's so like, you know, if his, if Jacob was like, yeah, but that was a unique experience, dad. That's why I'd rather go, you know? So it's probably something that they talked about all the time, but probably Isaac still felt like he would have wanted to go, right? 
So it makes sense. So I love that Jacob decided, or I love that they went and found a wife. Or he found a wife. Okay, and then verse 4, And give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land, wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. And Isaac sent away Jacob, and he went to Padanaram, unto Laban's son of Bethuel the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah's, no, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. Oh, that's fun. And verse 6, when Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take him away from thence, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and was gone to Padan Aram. And Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac's father, then went Esau unto Ishmael and took unto the wives which he had Mahalala and the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, and the sister Nebojah to be his wife. Okay, so some commentary on here. It says, Jacob left his home because he knew that his brother Esau had conspired to kill him once their father Isaac died. Before Jacob left, Isaac blessed and charged or directed Jacob. It was time for Jacob to find a wife, and Isaac told him that he must not choose a Canaanite woman. Canaanites were idol worshippers, and Jacob needed a covenant-keeping wife because the Abrahamic covenant needed to continue with him. And the Abrahamic covenant includes all the gospel covenants with some added responsibilities and promises for Abraham's lineage. So having a covenant-keeping stalwart and committed wife was critical and we already went over other reasons why too in previous episode he needed to find his own sarah and rebecca so he prepared to travel to his mother's hometown the same place abraham's servant went to find a wife for isaac that place must have some awesome ladies you know what i mean president nelson spoke of the influence of covenant keeping women notice what he said about covenant keeping women in the last dispensation said these stalwart women have shown the strength and courage that covenant keeping women always demonstrate it would be impossible to measure the influence that such women have not only on families but also on the lord's church as wives mothers and grandmothers as sisters and aunts as teachers and leaders and especially as exemplars and devout devout defenders of the faith this has been true in every gospel dispensation since the days of adam and Eve. Yet the women of this dispensation are distinct from the women of any other because this dispensation is distinct from any other. This distinction brings both privileges and responsibilities. That's in October 2015 General Conference. Okay, we're going to be taking off soon, so we will pause and come back soon when we left off on verse 10. Okay, we landed in Salt Lake City Airport, and we are doing great. And Dad is going to get the van, and then going to call me to let me know when the van is here. But I'm going to keep reading because I may as well take advantage, you know? And I just realized that in the last episode, I talked about how Isaac um, and Rebecca, when they were trying to give the birthright blessing to Jacob and Esau was sad 
anyway, I talked about how much I trusted Isaac to know what, what was up, right? But I didn't talk about how much I trusted Rebecca also. Like, it made it seem like I kind of threw her under the bus a little bit. So that's not cool because she's my sister, right? Um, but I wanted to make sure that y'all know that sometimes it's possible that maybe even Isaac was like, hey, if I get to the point where I'm too old and I don't realize who I'm giving birthright blessing to, please make sure that it happens, right? Or if maybe Isaac didn't have that conversation with Rebecca, she had the insight, the foresight, and the revelation to make sure that it happened because it was the revelation that she was given. And so she needed to make sure that it also happened. And so it's also possible that she was just doing, doing everything in her power to make things happen for the Lord, because sometimes it is hard. And also, you know, we know that Isaac was old, but we also know that Rebecca was old, <laughs> right? And so we have to remember that this is some old lady going about trying to figure out how to uh, make sure her son's getting the right blessing. So, so let's have patience with all of them, depending on how it went. We don't know what was happening. And so we just want to assume that everyone was making very good decisions based on their experience and their revelations and their stewardships. So with that, we have verse number 10, um, Jacob's dream vision. So, and Jacob, so now we are, Jacob has left, um, and is going to find a wife, right? So, and Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set and he took off, took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. Wow. He is like the Flintstones where he's sleeping on some rocks for pillows, right? And he dreamed and behold, a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven and behold the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father and the God of Isaac land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it and to thee and to thy seed and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south and in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And this is, so this is still his Jacob's dream, okay? Or vision. And 15, and behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land and I will not leave thee until I have done that, which I have spoken to thee of. I love that. And I think it's amazing um, how the Lord just kind of confirms to Jacob, like, you're not alone, even though he probably was feeling a little bit alone because he left his family, you know? And I love that the, the same pattern that the, that the servant of Abraham had is what Jacob's doing, you know? Like, I'm gonna pray. Well, I guess technically Jacob was sleeping, <laughs> but I'm sure that he said a bedtime prayer, you know, he was in the right mindset to receive a revelation. Okay. Number 16. And Jacob awaked, awake, 
out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put forth his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob bowed, bowed a vow, saying, If God will, will be with me and will keep me in this way, that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace then shall the Lord be my God and this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house and of all that thou shalt give me I will surely give the tenth unto thee I love Jacob he's so cool he's, and he's so sincere and so sweet you know and, and young still and I feel like because his desire was there to be so obedient the lord is blessing him and also like so cute how the his pillow he's like oh i better make an altar <laughs> wait where's some rocks oh i use them for a pillow okay no no worries we got this and so he's like making an altar from the pillow that he was using and it's awesome and i love that he called it um where is it anyways that it's a holy place now you know um and he calls it that it's the lord he says and he said surely the lord is in this place so he didn't realize but he knew that the lord was in this place and so um he was making sure that he was acknowledging the fact that the Lord made this place holy. And so he made an altar. And I think that's fantastic. And it kind of goes along with, we can make any place a holy place. Um, here's some commentary. And we're also going to talk about Jacob's ladder. Um, because that's what this is. Okay, so verse 20, or 10 to 12, 22 says, Jacob left on his journey to find a covenant-keeping wife, but Jacob also would have had a heavy heart. He was estranged from his twin brother, and his father was old, and he may not ever see him again. Oh yeah, that would be sad, see? Along the way, he lay down to sleep, and then experienced, then he experienced a great vision. He saw a ladder with angels descending and ascending and descending it. The bottom of the ladder was upon the earth, and the top reached to the heavens. At the top was the Lord, who then introduced himself to Jacob and promised Jacob the very promises that he had made with his fathers. His covenant would be renewed with Jacob. So Jacob saw the Lord and saw that there were necessary steps in order to enter back into God's presence. And angels were standing guard and assisting the process. For, as Brigham Young said, your endowment is to receive all those ordinances in the house of the Lord which are necessary for you after you have departed this life to enable you to walk back to the presence of the Father, passing the angels who stand as sentinels, being enabled to give them the key words, the signs and tokens pertaining to the holy priesthood and gain your eternal salvation in spite of earth and hell. Okay, and then um, that's from Brigham Young's Discourses 2... 
section two, verse 31, maybe. Okay, and then Bethel means when Jacob traveled from Beersheba toward Haran, he had a dream in which he saw himself on the earth at the foot of a ladder that reached to heaven where the Lord stood above it. He beheld angels ascending and descending thereon. And Jacob realized that the covenants he made with the Lord there were the rungs on the ladder that he himself would have to climb in order to obtain the promised blessings, blessings that would entitle him to enter heaven and associate with the Lord. Temples are to us what Bethel was to Jacob. Even more, they are also the gates of heaven for all of our unendowed kindred dead. We should all do our duty in bringing our loved ones through them. That was President Marion G. Romney, Enzyme, March 1971. And Jacob was learning about covenant making and, prog and progressing towards God. The word Bethel means house of God. Imagine how this experience would have changed Jacob. This gives us greater insight into the hymn, Nearer My God to Thee, when we sing the phrase, Out of my, sto out of my stony griefs, Bethel, I'll raise. Oh, that's cool. I, never, I didn't ever think of that. And then there's like this fun picture of, looks like angels going up and down a ladder, but then like Jacob being on the floor, being kind of held up by them. That's kind of fun. That's kind of fun. Cool imagery. Okay, and then um, there's a virtual tour of Bethel in Israel. So go search that on um, on Google because there's a link here, but I can't actually share that link with you. But some questions that um, they present, which I think are pretty good. It says, what does this teach you about the temple? And what promises do the, does the Lord give Jacob? And what is Jacob's commitment to the Lord after Bethel? Okay, so write down your answers in journal or somehow. Um, but I, I love how we, he can turn our situation, our, you know, rock bed into a holy place, right? Um, the Lord can transform us and can transform our situations no matter how hard they may seem. And... Now we're going to go into Genesis chapter 29, and let's see if we can pull it up. Okay, Jacob meets Rachel at the well. He serves Laban seven years for her. Laban gives to Jacob first Leah, then Rachel in marriage. Jacob serves another seven years. Leah bears Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. Oh, man. Let me tell you, Jacob, he is awesome. And, and I just love this story of him and Rachel. It's such a cool, like, story to show how much he really loves Rachel. Um, but also, it's a little bit messed up, you know? Okay, so, verse 1. Then Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. And he looked, and behold, a well in the field. And lo, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well, they watered the flocks, and a gray stone was upon the well's mouth. And thither were all the flocks gathered, and they rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the sheep and, the, and put the stone again upon the well's mouth in his place. And Jacob said unto them, My brethren, whence be ye? And they said, Of Haran are we. 
And he said unto them, Know ye Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. And he said unto them, Is he well? And they said, He is well. And behold, Rachel, his daughter, cometh with the sheep. And he said, Lo, it is yet high day, neither is it time that the cattle should be gathered together. Water ye the sheep and go and feed them. And they said, We cannot until all the flocks be gathered together, until they roll the stone from the well's mouth, and uh, then we will water the sheep. Okay, also, I love that he's going to the well, um, and that this is where he meets Rachel, because... This is like where his dad's servant met his mom, right? So I love the whole well. Like, like go where the ladies are and not just like where they're doing nothing, but go where the ladies are where they're being productive and doing something um, so that you know which one's hardworking. Some commentary here from the redheaded hostess. Jacob's journey would have been around 500 miles and it would not have been an easy journey. Here in this chapter, Jacob had finally arrived. Okay, so he came there because he really needed water, not just because he was looking for some ladies. (laughs) Although it seems like that's what he was thinking about, right? Um, Wouldn't it be interesting to know what that journey was like? Yes, I would. Like what obstacles would he have come across? What injuries may have occurred? What dangerous situations might have arisen? Um, This could be a prepared himself for a covenant wait this could be a really interesting conversation to have especially with teens um you know because of like the long journey and remember that jacob had prepared himself for a covenant marriage while his brother esau had not valued that jacob uh had been making choices for a long time to prepare himself for the moment that was about to happen the moment when he met rachel but think of the commitment he must have had in order to endure a difficult 500 mile journey with only the hope that there would be a girl at the end of this journey uh covenant keeping uh eternal companion not just like any girl you know um and jacob understood what elder bruce r mcconkie taught thousands of years later he says i believe that the most important single thing that any latter-day saint ever does in this world is to marry the right person in the right place by the right authority and that was from a byu speech february 27 1973 of course it's so cute that he did it in february um okay and i also love the fact that he took like a super long journey like Is this where the song, I would walk 5,000 miles? Oh, maybe it's 5,500. This is 500. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it was the, I would walk 500 miles. Anyway, this is is where he uh, got that song from. I don't know for sure if this is where he got that song from. But now when you think of that song, you can remember Jacob's journey of 500 miles because he was going to meet... The woman of his dreams, literally the woman of his dreams, because he didn't even get to marry her (laughs) until like 14 years later. Um, And just so, so cool that he was journeying that long. Dude, I only ran like two and a half, over two and a half miles on beach sand blazing hot sun at least it was a little bit windy 
although I could feel the wind was picking up the, the sand, and so it was just hitting my face. And that was when we were in Los Cabos, Mexico. And <laughs> to go return that um, cancellation letter, remember? <laughs> Which, by the way, uh, update on that, they emailed Dad and said that they were giving us a refund, so that's great. But also, like, I'm excited for the opportunity later on in life when we want to do that, we'll be able to like just go buy a timeshare from somebody that's trying to get rid of theirs. But anyway, what was I saying? Um, yeah, it was so hard just doing that. And it felt like I wasn't moving uh, because, you know, and, and I don't know how they tracked their miles and stuff. I kept looking on Google and checking to see where I was at in my uh, almost three mile journey. <laughs> and the, and I had my watch, which was tracking the distance that I was going. And so like when, when you're doing these hard things like this, you need kind of those checkpoints to give you like validation for how much time you've been doing something and how long it's been taking you. So I'm hoping that, you know, Jacob would have had something like that to validate like his journey and stuff. But I'm sure that when he finally met Rachel and continue to get to know her, he would have walked another 500 miles and I would walk 500 more. Um, anyways, there's the song for you. <laughs> da, 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 da. Uh, okay, so we're going to keep reading. So verse 9, and while he yet spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. So we, so we know she is a shepherdess. Right, And it came to pass that when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And I'm guessing it wasn't that Jacob kissed her on the lips, so don't get too excited. Okay, it was probably like, Hello, miss, and probably took her hand and gave her a kiss on the hand. Um, and Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother and that he was Rebecca's son, and she ran and told her father. And what's awesome, or he could have been giving her a kiss on the cheek, you know, like, because that's how some people say hello, you know, in the Hispanic countries. Um, that's how we give kisses, you know. So it wasn't like they were um, smooching. But it was just like the hello kiss, right? But I'm sure that he was excited about the, that tradition, that custom of kissing people when they said hello. Um, did I tell you guys? There was always this kid in our ward who, growing up, who... <laughs> he, he, like, you know, bless him, okay? <laughs> He couldn't really get the ladies, but he really liked them. Okay. I'm just going to say that. And he would always greet the ladies with so much love and compassion and just like always like ready to open their door. He was a real good gentleman, but he would just like normally the custom for us in our Spanish word, Spanish speaking word, was everybody would just kiss each other on the cheek one time, okay? And you would basically like shake their hand, give them a kiss, and then move on to the next person. So of course, I'm always late. So I can't just like be showing up at the same time as everybody. 
And so when you kind of show up at the same time as everybody, you don't have to like say hi to everybody. You could kind of miss certain people. And I used to like try to avoid this kid because I knew that he was just trying to get a kiss from from all the ladies. And so I could avoid him if I was on time. But if I was late, I couldn't avoid him because now I'm like the new person. So now this new person has to say, oh, hello. And then like go through the entire group and say hi to everybody, which through because of COVID, that tradition has uh, stopped at least for me, and not that we're going to a Hispanic word anyway, but I am grateful that it's no longer really staying alive because we didn't, we don't need to kiss people. Anyway, so like <laughs> this kid would shake my hand and he would pull me in for a kiss. So he would like shake my hand, but like pull in for the kiss. Usually you just kind of you know, lean in and you kind of give each other a kiss, but it's not like you actually kiss each other on the cheeks, more, more like cheeks touch and you kiss the air, right? It's like, you know, hello. But this guy, no, he would like pull you in and you felt like, what is going on here? Anyway, so I'm picturing, I'm not picturing Jacob doing that <laughs> because that would be weird if I pictured Jacob doing that. But uh, don't be that that kid, okay? Don't be that dude where, you know, you are just really desperate for attention that you're trying to just make the ladies feel awkward in your presence. So don't, don't be that person. (laughs) Okay. Um, and maybe that's why he just never was able to, to hook up with the ladies. I'm hoping that he's married and has kids now and that would be great for him, but don't use giving a kiss on the cheek as your your tactic for <laughs> hooking up with the ladies, okay? It's not going to work. Okay, um, where am I at here? Okay, so she ran and told her father. So, uh, there, so we're on verse 13, but there's some commentary here. It says, Jacob arrived and saw a well, which would have been a great place to stop because wells were natural gathering areas where he could talk to locals. It is possible that Jacob had never been to Haran, which was his mother's hometown. Jacob would have known that he was getting close, and he noticed that there were three flocks of sheep gathered around the well, and their shepherds were with them. Jacob approached and asked them if they knew Laban, and these men did, and they pointed out that Laban's daughter, Rachel, was approaching the well with Laban's sheep. Jacob seemed surprised that these shepherds were just waiting by the well since it was midday. Wouldn't they want to give the sheep water and then put them back out to pasture? Jacob would have known a lot about animals and their need to graze. He had he had lived among them this his entire life and would have helped oversee many animals. The shepherds replied that they could not feed their sheep until all the flocks are gathered together and the stone was rolled from the well's mouth. The stone would have helped protect the water and keep it fresh and clean. Some scholars suggest that there may have been an arrangement or agreement that the stone was rolled when the flocks were gathered in order to minimize the time the water was exposed to dust and other elements. Oh, that makes kind of, that makes some sense. Some or so here comes Rachel who was keeping her father's sheep. She was a shepherdess and likely somewhat and likely somewhat young. Jacob then helped Rachel by removing the stone and then kissed her and wept. This was likely an appropriate greeting of two family members who may have never met. Not necessarily a romantic moment. See what I'm saying? Jacob was Rebecca's son, the son of Rachel's aunt 
who had left so many years before. Rachel would have known this story well. Now Rebecca's son was he was there, and this would have been a glorious moment. Oh yeah, like they were they were cousins and stuff. Oh how cute! Yeah, that would have been awesome because because um, Isaac didn't ever get to go back, and Rebecca didn't get to go back either. Um, so that makes sense that that she ran and went to tell her father so fast. And it came to, okay, so verse 13, and it came to pass when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. And, the, and he told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, surely thou art my bone and my flesh. And he abode with him the space of a month. And Laban said unto Jacob, Because thou art my brother, shouldest thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me, what shall thy wages be? (laughs) He's a little bit uh, presumptuous. And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to thee than I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to, to her. Oh, that's cute. I love that. And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him, and he went in unto her. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpah, his maid for an, for an handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Did, I, did not I serve thee for Rachel? Okay, so this is intense. Because, yeah, what's up with that? Like, I always got mad at this Laban dude. But if you remember, um, Laban's not the first one to try and deceive someone into thinking someone is someone else. Now you guys remember that Jacob got Esau's birthright blessing through what some people might call deceit. Um, but again, remember, we weren't really sure if it was going to be, or we weren't really sure if Isaac already knew or if Rebecca had planned, um, had had pre-talked to Isaac about things. And, you know, so we, we weren't really sure. Uh, so we had a lot of scriptural speculation, but what it, makes it seem like is that Jacob deceived his dad and got a birthright blessing instead of his older brother. Right. Um, and he went along with it, even though his mom was like, just blame me for it. I'll be the one getting in trouble. But really, if you think about it, anytime we lie or deceive, this story right here can help us remember that it'll come back to us. Right. (laughs) Like, maybe it would be good to have Jacob just communicate with his parents about, hey, it's cool. You can still give Esau a blessing. I get the birthright blessing, though, because he, 
traded his mess of pottage, remember? You know, something. Anyway, like, I bet communication would have helped. But this is what the story is, and sometimes families have problems. And, of course, it, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, And sometimes, or, you know, something that I've, like, that we've been listening all these scriptures and, and uh, people talking about these scriptures and scholars and things like that. They always say, like, remember, we can't apply their story um, and bring it into 2022 because this is that's not when it happened, right? And so, of course, in our day, we, we would hope that we would do something different and that things would turn out differently. But their culture, their time totally different and so you know and their backgrounds and experiences and everything like it just it's different right so anyway I don't I'm mad at this guy Laban but also I remember that Jacob you know did this first and so it is kind of sad that he has to taste a, a little bit of his own medicine um so <laughs> it is a little bit sad but it does make sense that the oldest child, that was their tradition back then, would have to get married first. And so instead of talking to Jacob about it, because he probably uh, thought that Jacob would not agree to it, which, I mean, I wouldn't blame him, right? Because that was their tradition back then. And so they couldn't just bypass their tradition. Nowadays, we find all kinds of people can get married before or after their siblings, and it doesn't matter. Right. Um, as long as everybody's agreed upon the marriage, I guess. And so um, you I mean, you would think that the oldest would get married first because they're just older. But sometimes the olders don't get married first and the youngers get married first, you know. So um, back then, that's what their tradition was. And so he wasn't about to give away his younger daughter um, before his older daughter. And so I, th I think, you know, a dad's just trying to do what a dad's trying to do, you know, um, and take care of his daughters, especially because if you think as a dad, right, like your daughter's not going to be able to have children, um, after a certain point in time and she won't, <laughs> and even if she can't have children, she's not going to have the energy to, <laughs> chase after them if she waits too long you know what I mean and or she might have arthritis in her hands and making it really impossible to try and do things but anyway I'm just thinking like it was not cool and it's not okay to trick peeps that way but I can see you know how those things that he was thinking about, like, hey, she's she needs to be married first because she needs to have kids so that she can continue the family line. And also, like, because I bet, you know, Leah wanted to have kids. And, um, and so sometimes a dad's just trying to do what a dad's trying to do. And I don't know if he talked to Leah like obviously beforehand or like how she felt about the whole situation. Um, and so it is kind of interesting to just kind of think about um, 
how it would affect your sister and your relationship with your sister. You know, what relationship did they have before this and stuff like that. So like that would totally get messed up, I think, personally. Um, just having experienced, you know, betrayal trauma and stuff, I would not want to have to have that those feelings towards my sister. Um, but again, I don't know what their what their situation was like and so i'm hoping you know that it's not as bad as i'm imagining it would have been but pop but maybe it was worse who knows <laughs> okay um so here's some commentary it says rachel then ran to tell her father laban laban ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him then laban brought jacob to his home where he stayed for a month and during that month jacob fell in love with rachel during that month jacob also worked and we have a, someone who's liking to provide a commentary as well. Yeah. 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 You just want to make some comments? Oh, she wants to reach the phone. You want to say hi? Say hi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, say hi, Dad. Our faithful subscriber. Hi, Dad. <laughs> Can you say, I love you? I love you. <laughs> say, I love you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. I think she's giving us um, insight on the relationship between Rachel and Leah. Because she's a girl and a daughter. And she's probably telling Dad not to do this. <laughs> no, man. She's very sad now because I didn't give her the phone. Okay, so where were we? Okay, so so during that month, Jacob also worked and Laban felt that he should be paying Jacob for his efforts. Jacob then took his, this opportunity to ask to work seven years in order to wed Rachel. Laban had two daughters, Leah and Rachel. It says that Leah was tender-eyed. Many scholars agree that this did not mean that Leah was not attractive, but that her eyes were weak or dim, perhaps suffering from some kind of condition. Rachel, though, was beautiful and well-favored, and it was Rachel that Jacob fell in love with. Jacob offered to work for seven years. Hey, we're talking about a romantic story here, miss. Can you stay a little quieter? Thank you. <laughs> You're a sweet bitch. Yeah, this is a love story. Did you want to hear it? She's like, I want none of this story. None of this story, huh? Because I don't, I don't think it was fair either, miss. I know. I would have been crying for sure. Um, okay, so... We will pause. Okay, so Laban... So, let's see... Jacob offered to work for seven years. This may have been because Rachel was not yet old enough to marry, or it may have been because Jacob did not bring a dowry with him, so instead offered his personal services. But Jacob clearly had a deep and completely devoted love for Rachel. And how cute is that? You know, like, he's like, what a gentleman, you know? Like, I'm, like I didn't bring stuff to wed her, so I'll work for you. 
Like he was trying to get creative, you know? He's thinking outside the box. He's like, what can I do? What can I do for this love of my life so we can be together forever? And he just was like, I'll work for you. And so I love that he wasn't like, let me go back home because he really, you know, couldn't. So he was like, what can I do to do? So he was just, he was a problem solver, you know? And so then, let's see. Okay, we're making all kinds of noise. Then it looks like, um, and Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and his love made the time seem to just pass by. These would not have been seven easy years where Jacob was being waited on. Rather, Jacob would have been herding and caring for goats and sheep. Imagine what kind of backbreaking work that would be. Um, shepherding was an around-the-clock venture demanding all types of skill and sweat. For seven years, the desert sun would have beaten upon Jacob. However, his blistered skin and parched lips were worth the covenant marriage he was waiting for. This understanding helps us better understand when Sister Linda K. Burton asked... No, don't give this to this. Flora's trying to feed the shield mice all her food. Um, who of us is not moved by Jacob and Rachel's biblical love story as we read? And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. Sisters, do we keep our covenants with that kind of deep and devoted love? October 2013 General Conference. Oh, I love that. And then when the time had been fulfilled, a marriage feast was arranged and Jacob was expecting to marry Rachel. However, Laban beguiled Jacob and brought Leah to him rather than Rachel. This likely was possible because the bride was veiled throughout the entire ceremony. So he couldn't even tell who it was. And these sisters must have appeared or, I mean, they must have had been the same height and probably roughly the same build. Or if you know anything about wedding dresses... They all are crazy shapes. So it wouldn't even matter what shape you were <laughs> because your wedding dress is going to make it all kinds of, you're going to look all kinds of different because you could either decide to have a puffy dress or not puffy dress, a slim dress, or, you know, puffy on the shoulders, puff, puffy on the hips, puffy on everywhere or not puffy and just like so many different things. And I do know that in their culture back then, um, they were already, you know, having to cover their faces most of the time. And so it was just like probably just a normal thing to be like, oh, yeah, this is what she looks like. So maybe they were like the same height, but then different builds. But then it would have mattered because, you know, because you might be thinking like, how could he have not known? Right. But remember, like, it's your wedding day. Like, I hardly remember anything that happened on our wedding day. <laughs> It was so busy and so crazy and, you know, like we said hi to people and we said bye to people and all these things. I mean, obviously, there's no way somebody could have tricked me, um, but they, that there is a way that somebody would have tricked them, right? I'm just saying like so much stuff is going on on a wedding day that it's possible that... But then also, what happened to Rachel? Like, did Laban, like, lock her up in a room? Like, I don't even understand. Or, like, 
how was she taking this? You know, like she must have been so mad. Or what if her dad was like, hey, why don't you go over there and go to the, you know, can you go travel and get me something from yonder city? And I don't know. Like, I don't know how Rachel would have felt, but I would have felt like so bad. Because, you know, throughout like wedding day, when your wedding day approaches, you're thinking like, so excited to get married. So excited. Oh, we got, you know, you have the countdown and it's like, oh, we're going to get married in 30 days, 29 and 15 and two. And then it's like, tomorrow we get married, you know? And then it's like, so exciting. So like, what did Laban do? Dude, like Rachel and Laban would like Rachel and her dad would not have had a good relationship after this. I'm guessing like I would, I would be so mad with my dad. Like no matter what he was saying, I'd be mad. No matter what he thought, I would have been mad. No matter if he was like, well, I just wanted to make sure that Leah had kids because nobody else would have married her kind of thing. I would have been like, I don't even care. You know, like, I, that's how selfish I would have been. And so I guess it's a good thing that he was not my dad. Um, but yeah, like, what was Rachel doing throughout this whole time? I can't even imagine, like, her, um, her pain that she was experiencing at this time. And what about Leah? Like, was Leah on board with this? Like, did she really want to do this? Did she even know what was going on? Like, since she was tender-eyed, what does that mean? You know, like, was she special needs in so much, like, in a way that she was not able to understand what was going on? And so, like, he was just taking advantage of the opportunity and only him and Rachel knew. Maybe Rachel didn't even know. Exactly, Flora. Exactly. Did he tie her up and put it like something over her mouth? Like that would have been the worst. Or did he finally explain things to her and she understood and she like just had to take it? I don't know. I'm just crying in a corner. Okay, so we're going to keep reading. And number verse 26. And Laban said, it must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Why didn't you say that in the first place? Then he could have hooked her up with like a friend. You know what I mean? And so 27, fulfill her week and we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve with me yet seven other years. What? Laban was like so mean. He's like, well, I tricked you, but now you got to work another seven years. What? And I'm guessing it's because Laban was a lazy guy. I'm just calling it, you know, because he knew that Jacob was younger and could do more than what Laban could do. So he could just give Jacob all the hard work and this guy could just relax. Anyway, so, and Jacob did so and fulfilled her week and he gave him Rachel, his daughter to wife also. Okay, so here it says fulfilled her week. Now, it was seven years, not a week. <laughs> like, there is absolutely no way that if you talk to Jacob, he'd be like, yeah, sure, write that down as a week. Um, and so I'm guessing <laughs> that this was bad translating, you know? That was not like a week, okay? It was like years. But I think that they're they're talking about like their, the specified time has passed, right? And so... Um, I bet Jacob would have preferred a week, but it was not that case. That's not the case. Okay, so, and then number 29, and Laban gave to Rachel, his daughter, Bilhah, his handmaid 
to be her maid. And he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah and served with him yet seven other years. Well, of course, he's going to love Rachel more than Leah because he loved Rachel first. That doesn't even make That's like messed up. Why would you even think that he's going to love? Why would anybody think that they were going to love Leah more than Rachel? You know, like this whole time he's wanted Rachel. So also goes to show you that you can love someone forever, you know, and and just dedicate your life to loving that person and serving. And you don't even have to be married to them to devote that much time in serving for them. You can spend that much time just serving your fiance. I mean, I guess, right? Because he was promised to her, right? And she was promised to him. So you could serve your fiance for seven years. Now, I wouldn't recommend it. (laughs) Because you never know if you're going to get tricked. So maybe shorten it up just, just in case. Um, okay, some commentary. Laban had an excuse prepared for Jacob, which may have been the very reason he got Leah to go along with the plan. Um, so Laban was claiming that the custom in Haran is that the younger daughter cannot marry before the older. So obviously, but like, even if this were the case, Jacob would not have been made aware of this. So he wasn't, he didn't even tell, he didn't even tell him, you know? So, cause then, yeah, like, why wouldn't, like, dude, you could marry my servant, this guy, and then I'll marry Rachel. What? What's that? You want this? This? Your spoon? There you go. There you go. Yeah, sure. <laughs> she chucks it onto the ground. What? I don't have anything up here for you. You didn't want anything. Did you want one of these? You want one of these? So you can give it to that shoe. Just eat it, though. Don't give it to the shoe. All right. Camille Frank Olson says, The biblical text reports Jacob's anger and dismay when he discovered the deception, but no mention is made of the response of Leah or Rachel. What did they think about their father's marriage schemes for them? Yeah, see, that's what I'm talking about. Why did the sisters go along with the plan? Did they have a choice? As an imposter at her own wedding, how did Leah feel when she knew her husband would soon discover that she was not his beloved Rachel? Oh, I'd be so mad as his sister too, or as her sister. Where was Rachel during the ceremony, right? Written marriage contracts were customary throughout the ancient Near East. Before the wedding day, the groom and the bride's father or his representative signed the contract containing all the accepted negotiations. Consequently, Jacob held a solid legal claim against Laban for failing to meet his commitments in the contract and therefore could have been released from his marriage to Leah. Reflecting this weakened position, Laban... Shiomai, did you steal that from her? Here. Shiomai. Don't steal that shoe. That's not yours. Shoe. Reflecting his weakened position, Laban proposed an appealing solution uh, 
in the moment. Jacob accused him of duplicity. If Jacob would leave, would give Leah her due attention during the full bridal week, he could also marry Rachel. Oh, that's what it was. Furthermore, Laban did not require Jacob to wait until the negotiated seven additional years for labor were completed before relinquishing his second daughter to him, again indicating Laban's awareness of his vulnerable position. Dude, so messed up. That's all I'm saying, you know? This guy is lucky that I'm not his daughter. I would have beat him up. But real though, you know, that just would have been so mean. Anyways, okay. And so verse 30, let's see, verse 31. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So this this part here is a little bit sad because, you know, obviously Leah was having some kids and Rachel was not. But it was like, here, I'll show you what, what, what happened. So 32, and Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. And so these are the names uh, back then, I guess, and sometimes now, you know, people name their kids off of like how they're feeling or what they want or what they wish. And so Reuben means um, that the Lord hath looked upon her affliction. So she basically has all these kids so that her husband can love her, right? Um, and 33, and she conceived again and bare a son and said, because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, now this time will my husband be joined unto me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. And... I think it's interesting to note that she continued to have kids and she thought that like doing this was going to help have the love of her husband. But like what's really sad to me is the fact that, I mean, is her dad played like the meanest joke, you know, or not even joke, but like did, didn't do her a service, right? Like, of course, Jacob probably loves her for like, a sister, right? <laughs> a cousin. Um, but he didn't love, he wasn't in love with her the way he was in love with Rachel. And so to ex for Leah to expect that she was going to have the love that, um, she was supposed to have, I guess, from Jacob just to me seems off. Like, how do you even think that he's going to love you he never loved you in the first place. Like he wasn't trying to hook up with you. Like he was not trying, you know, he wasn't trying to marry you in the first place. And so because she says all these things, it makes me feel like maybe she wasn't like all there. I feel like she might be a little bit special needs. And I mean, we're all a little bit special needs, you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but I think that she just wasn't all there because she thought that she would have her husband's love the way that Rachel, that, that she had, or the way that Rachel was loved. Right. But like, if you think about it, like if I were to marry somebody like this, in this way, there's absolutely no way that I would expect my husband to love me. 
right? Like I would be, I would know that I'm tricked and I would just have the kids knowing like, well, I'm just going to have kids and I'm going to live my life and they can do whatever they want, you know, but I'll just have kids whenever I need kids and I'll be able to have kids and cause I want children, you know? Um, but that's just me in my sane mind. And so I, I think that maybe because she might've been a little bit more special needs that this is probably why she kept thinking that she was going to be loved by her husband as much as Rachel. Um, and also, like, this is probably also why when Rachel was told of the plan that we don't see any record of, like, how she behaved because she was probably super mad, but she kind of understood that maybe nobody else was actually going to marry Leah, you know? And so that like as if that there was no hope for her, right? No, May, what happened? What happened? Maybe it was like Hey. Okay, let's take this off. Here we go. Yeah. Okay. Somebody is so sweepy, can I tell you? Can I tell you that this someone is so sweepy? Anyways, again, I am just speculating. I don't know for sure, but this is what I'm thinking. And they called her tender-eyed. But I love, I do love that she had a son at the end. And this is what it says, 35. And she conceived again and bare a son. And she said, now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah and left bearing. And... She was basically trying to get her husband's love the whole time through her children, right? But then the last one, I love that this was something that I learned from one of the podcasts where they kind of pointed out that finally she was now searching for a relationship with the Lord and not her relationship with her husband. You know, and it's hard because I get it. Like she wanted to be loved, but... If you had tricked somebody like that to try and get them married, you're not going to get somebody's love. In fact, you probably get it worse. You know, you probably get somebody's hate from that. So, like, anyway, so, yeah. So, Judah, she had Judah, but that just went to prove that she was able to have a relationship with the Lord. And so, I do like that she finally had that relationship with the Lord because that is our confidence, our our love, our any anything that we have, if we are searching for it in the wrong places, it's not going to be lasting. But if we search for it in the Lord, that's, that is where it's going to last. That is where it, that's how we're going to get our confidence. We're going to be confident in the Lord. Huh. And, okay, so then, um, Last last commentary for this chapter um, says the scriptures are full of real people with real feelings and it often gets messy. Here we can see that this was now a situation involving different people with their own perspectives and it was not a simple situation. Laban had conspired this plan and now there were consequences to that. Verse 31 says that the Lord opened Leah's womb because she was hated. Of course, it makes sense, although everybody probably also hated Laban, right? 
Like, how did she go along with this, right? They probably didn't understand her special needs situation. And so the 2008 Old Testament Seminary Teacher Manual explains the word hated as used in verse 31 was translated from the Hebrew word sane, which means loved less. So it wasn't like she was actually hated, but like it would also make sense that, you know, you would have hated feelings. Like I bet his... I bet her sister, Rachel, wasn't feeling all kinds of lovey feelings as much as she had before, right? Or maybe she did because maybe Rachel was that kind of woman and she was just awesome. But I would not have been. And a fun fact is also that uh, through Judah is the line that Jesus Christ came through. So that's kind of fun that he came through Judah. Oh boy, Flora is not having a good time. So we're on Genesis 30. And now comes probably the hardest chapter in the entire Bible for me, aside from when Christ is crucified and suffers um, our sins. Because it is so close to my experience. Um, so bear with me because here we are. <laughs> Chapter 30. Okay, so I'll read the summary, but then we kind of go into it into detail. Jacob marries Bilhah and she bears Dan and Naphtali. Naphtali. He marries Zilpah and she bears Gad and Asher. Leah bears Issachar and Zebulun and a daughter Dinah. Then Rachel conceives and bears Joseph Jacob works for Laban for wages of cattle and sheep. Okay. <sighs> Let's see if we can get through this. Okay. And when Rachel saw... That she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children or else I die. <laughs> and I can totally relate to that. And when I say totally, might not really, but kind of. <laughs> because you see, Rachel is having to deal with betrayal trauma from her dad and her husband even though her husband's not to blame, still, you can blame, right? Um, because now Rachel sees that um, they have four kids over there. And so she is just like, I'm going to die. And back then she couldn't look up, can people die of heartache? <laughs> because I have looked it up. And it's called something, and I can't remember what it's called, but it's it's pretty rare. <laughs> Basically, you really can't, but it feels like you can't. <sighs> anyway, and of course, it doesn't make it better, because I'm sure Jacob's wishing he could 
give Rachel some kids. <laughs> and Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel, although I'm sure he was not really angry. Um, and he said, am I God's, am I in God's stead? Who hath withheld from thee the fruit of thy, of the womb? So he's basically just saying like, it's not my fault. I didn't do anything. I'm not keeping anything from you. Right. And, and Jacob's trying to tell him or tell her, like, I promise I'm not doing anything different, you know, but then that's not really what you want to hear from your husband. Like, <laughs> I can't, like, I can't even imagine her pain. Seriously, Genesis 30, the worst. I mean, I love their love story, but I hate this. And she said, Behold, my maid, Bilhah, go in unto her, and she shall bear upon my knees, that I may also have children by her. Okay, so now she's in a competition with her sister, which this can't be good, right? And I'm sure that when she was growing up, she didn't ever picture this would happen. So I bet there's just all kinds of chaos. And the, the way the adversary could be getting to her would be so intense, and I would hate being her. So, of course, <laughs> Bilha conceives and bears Jacob a son. <laughs> and Rachel said, God hath judged me and hath also heard my voice and hath given me a son. Therefore, call, called she his name Dan. <laughs> now, Rachel is considering this her child. <laughs> and I love that, but I also don't. You know, like, um, there's uh, people... Women who um, give themselves uh, to couples who try and have kids but can't themselves. And it's called uh, being a surrogate mother. And it's basically where the husband and wife have um, put together the sperm and the egg together. And then it becomes... Um, a what is it called i can't even think straight an embryo right little baby embryo and usually that embryo um when mom and dad did it this uh when we did it it was through ivf and they basically put those two together and make it an embryo and then put it back into my stomach and into my uterus uh not stomach i guess i should say into my uterus so that the baby can grow but back then, they didn't have that kind of science or technology or medicine or whatever. And so instead of having, you know, my like instead of having dad and mom's 
uh, parts becoming an embryo and then injecting it back into my stomach. It's like uh, the the like these days the surrogate would have that embryo just implanted into her uterus, and so it would be some other woman carrying our baby. Now, technically, the baby has like our uh, characteristics and all those things, um, and it's supposed to just be like the mom is like the just like a carrier it's just like carrying the baby it's like con- like a container you know but really like there's got to be like a connection between the baby and the and the um and the mom and you know like i just feel like if i couldn't do that for somebody else um so it definitely takes a special woman to be able to say that she is willing to be a surrogate for a a couple who can't have kids of their own, um, or even, uh, be able to do it right. Like, like sister Cox, our neighbor behind us, she was a surrogate one time already and she already has a bunch of kids. (laughs) Um, but she was a surrogate already one time and she thought she could do it again, but then, um, they had a miscarriage. And so they couldn't do it the second time. I think it might be just cause she's getting older and stuff, but, um, basically doctors pay or the couple would pay the mom to carry the baby. And so it's, it's like a biz, it's like people do this and stuff. And, um, in the church handbook, they, uh, don't recommend it. And I can understand why there would be too many things, too many emotions, too many things going through, um, to be able to do this. But, but also when it's like your last chance to have a baby, people are willing to do different things, you know? And then the last step really is adoption. Like, so, I mean, these days people don't just say, here's my maid, you can have her. And and now you can have a baby with her and that baby is mine. You, they don't, you can't do that these days. <laughs> if you have a baby with somebody else, <laughs> you just cheated on your wife. And <laughs> I guess you can choose which family you're going to go with because normally they don't, they're not just like, well, let's all be together. Yeah, it's not like that. Um, but actually in some cultures, I guess still today, there is a little bit of that still. And I'm not really sure which cultures which people's do that. But I'm glad I'm not in that culture because I would probably get out of it. <laughs> um, and so, anyway, so so here is Rachel trying to have kids through her handmaid. Um, and because she can't, you know, they don't do the doctor thing, she actually has to give Bilha to Jacob and be like, you can marry her because it wasn't enough that I that you married my sister. Now you can marry more people. So, so now she's given her, she's given her husband Bilha. And so then she has a, she has a kid and it's Nate and his name's Dan. And then, uh, Bilha conceives again and bears Jacob another son And Rachel said, with great wrestlings, have I wrestled with my sister and I have prevailed. And she called his name Naphtali, Naphtali. Now, I'm sad that like poor Rachel, she's just like in this competition with her sister and it's the worst. 
like us females do this to each other and when we're not related <laughs> i mean i've seen women do this to each other where they try and have they out they try to have more kids than this other gal because you know kids is some kind of um some kind like some kind of badge of honor or something like i don't know i've seen sisters in families do this but they have separate husbands and it's so crazy and it's sad because it's like you don't like we don't need to fight about that like kids that's not what kids are um they're not some kind of trophy and just because you got more doesn't mean you're better you know um but anyway like it's also hard i mean obviously those people we it, like it's been how many years and so it's not like we're learning any lessons but um yeah so anyway so then when leah saw that she had left bearing um i guess leah was older now and she can't have any more kids so she took zilpa her maid and gave her jacob to wife now i don't know where these other women are showing up from so I I don't know. I don't know if they're related or not. So we don't know what their lineage is. Um, but it was just their handmaids, right? So, and then, and Zilpah, Leah's maid, bare Jacob a son. And Leah said, a troop cometh. And she called his name Gad. And 12. And Zilpah's, Zilpah, Leah's maid, bare Jacob a second son. And Leah said, happy am I for the daughters will call me blessed. And she called his name Asher. Now... I don't know which daughters are going to call her blessed, but I sadly I'm calling both of them tricked. That's that's what I'm calling them. Tricked and sad and crying all the time and depressed. Like that's what I'm seeing and it's really sad. Um yes, they get all those blessings and they're amazing women and who were in the worst situation possible given to from their dad. Thanks. Um and I mean, bless his heart, because he was probably thinking it was going to be a good idea until he probably saw how bad it was between them. And and it doesn't show here how much he wished it wouldn't have been how much he wished he hadn't done that. But I'm guessing as a parent who has made bad choices, I I'm sure that I would wish that I had not done that later on after I see the way that they get on with each other, you know? Oh boy, May. Yarko Flores. Oh, you want one of these cookies? Yeah, okay, but don't give it to the shoe. Here. <laughs> I was reaching in the bag. Oh boy. Wait, no, you may not have four cookies. One. <laughs> You're a sweet miss. So anyway, um, that we're at verse thirteen. Okay, and here's some commentary. It says this situation seemed to be a terrible trial for Rachel, who watched her sister bear four sons while she remained barren seriously the torture um and not only was she not able to bear children but it appeared to her that it would be her sister who would provide the seed that the lord had promised to jacob rachel did not yet know that she would yet bear mighty joseph 
Rachel then gave her handmaid Bilha to Jacob, which would make his, which would make this handmaid a legal wife. That handmaid then bore two sons, Dan and Naphtali, or Naphtali. I can't remember how to pronounce his name. Poor guy. Notice that Rachel named them, and they were each named either in rejoicing in their birth or in victory over her sister. <laughs> Sad. So now there were six sons, which meant half of the tribes of Israel were now born and in circumstances that were less than peaceful. Totally. However, it is important to see that these women, as more than the complicated relationships they were experiencing, Orson Pratt said, these four wives were revelators. They were prophetesses. They were individuals that could inquire of the Lord and obtain an answer for from him. Orson Pratt. Orson Pratt Journal of Discourses, uh, chapter 20, verse 62. These were righteous women who were being tested and stretched. Oh, man, if, like, for real. <clears throat> and so crazy, so crazy. Leah, Leah then realized that she was no longer conceiving, so she also gave her handmaid to Jacob. This handmaiden, Zilpah, then bore Gad and Asher. Now there were eight sons. Oh, man. Okay, just to show, there's eight kids born to your husband, and none of them are actually yours. <laughs> like, the pain is so real there. And, like, if you have struggled with infertility at all, and you witness the sisters around you having kids... That's pain, okay? And Mother's Day's pass, and you're just like, you know, suffering. But then, top it all off with these are eight other kids, or eight kids from other women that your husband has been with. Like, I just can't even. <laughs> I can't even. And, and you can't give him any kids, you know, like this is, and you're just like, I, I don't, I, there's no way I can give him kids. So, I mean, sure. You love me the most, but the eight kids, like everybody's competing. This is some kind of like race and apparently I'm losing, you know? Um, and so verse 14 and Reuben went in the days of wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them unto his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, give me, I pray thee of thy son's mandrakes. And she said unto her, it is a small matter that thou hast taken my husband. And wouldest thou take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, therefore he shall lie with thee tonight for thy son's mandrakes. And Jacob came, oh, this is the worst, you know, because like, She's trying to make a deal with her husband. Like, this is Leah saying, you stole my husband. What? Leah, she is obviously messed up. Like, no, let's talk about who for real stole their husband. Look, if you want my husband, that's fine. You can, I mean, just take him, you know? And Jacob came out of the field in the evening and Leah went out to meet him and said, thou must come in unto me for surely I have hired thee with my son's mandrakes. <laughs> and he lay with her that night and God hearkened unto Leah and she conceived and bare Jacob the fifth son. 
Dude, and Rachel can't even get mad this time because this time she made a deal and she's just kicking herself. You know, I just, I like so crazy. <laughs> and Leah said, God hath given me my hire because I have given my maid maiden to my husband and she called his name Issachar. And Leah, okay, now there's nine kids, okay? And Leah conceived again and bare Jacob, the sixth son. So <laughs> there's literally 10 kids that... Rachel has not had. And Leah said, God hath endued me with a good dowry. Now will my husband dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. And she called his name Zebulun. Okay. But of course, you know, and afterwards she bare a daughter and called her name Dinah. So I guess she was just taking advantage of the husband's time to have a bunch of kids. Anyway, so Rachel is you know, not ha not happy right now. There's three kids, but you know, I guess Rachel wanted the mandrakes. And I think if I'm remembering correctly, I think mandrakes back in the day, like was supposed to help you become fertile. And so I think Rachel was doing this because she wanted to become fertile. She wanted to have kids, but she just still couldn't anyway. So 22 and God remembered Rachel and God hearkened to her and opened her womb. Honestly, like there is no way that she could even be able to manage this herself. You know, it like when you deal with infertility, you know that the Lord is in charge 110%. Like there's, you can't wish it upon yourself. Like there's nothing you can do, um, to make it happen more for you. You know, it's just, you're just waiting on the Lord the whole time. Um, and she conceived and bare a son and said, God hath taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. And I like, it's just so hard, but I love Joseph. He's, we know his story. Um, anyway, so some commentary. Let's see. So we're on 24. Okay, so Leah's eldest son, Reuben, then brought home the mandrake plant, which was a rare plant believed to help with infertility. See, I, I thought so. Rachel, still hoping to conceive, asked for the mandrakes, and Leah used that opportunity to get some time with Jacob, who it seems did not come to her any longer. <laughs> Rachel was the wife Jacob loved. Rachel agreed, and Leah then conceived and bore another son, then another one, and then a daughter. Now, 10 of the tribes of Israel were born, six of them belonging to Leah. Camille Frank Olson pointed out the difficulties that each woman faced. Rachel had an ideal marriage, but no children. Leah had a difficult marriage, but a great family. Both situations posed a temptation for the women at times to feel worthless and forgotten by God. Oh, how true. So this was found in the book, Women of the Old Testament, page 72. That is such an interesting insight. These women may have felt forgotten at the, at the time, but the truth is that they are some of the most remembered women throughout all of history. We honor them as our mothers. Nations followed after them. While their lack of understanding was a great trial for them, God knew what was in store for them. It was their competition and their trying to one-up each other that we get the 12 tribes of Israel, which is somehow warped in and of itself, but also awesome, you know, like 
the Lord uses our hardest trials and can make them into blessings. He can consecrate our afflictions for our gain. And um, then it says, and then Rachel finally conceived and she bore a son whom she named Joseph. This is the Joseph we will be later known as, who will be later known as Joseph of Egypt. Oh, such a great story. And though the 11th son, he will become the birthright son. He was just a babe at this point, but his future held great importance for many in that day and many more who will be born in his lineage, which was Rachel's lineage. Speaking of verse 22, Spencer, hold on, before I say that, so it's interesting that they had that custom of the oldest son and all that stuff. Apparently, you could change that, right? You could change whatever firstborn, lastborn, fifth son, seventh kid, third wife. You know, you could change it to whatever you wanted. Because right here, we can see that Joseph is technically Jacob's 11th son. And like he, he was getting the birthright, like the birthright blessing. Right. And what, that's just wild to me, you know, um, so wild to me because if he was the birthright son, then like he knew that it, it didn't matter who came first. He knew that the Lord back in the day promised his mom that he would get the birthright and he was not the firstborn. And so he knew that the Lord could adjust things and that it was okay and that you could bless whatever kid you wanted to be the birthright kid, right? And so I love that he kind of took that knowledge of like, hey, you don't have to be the first one. You don't have to be the sixth one. You don't have to be the third one. You don't, it doesn't matter if you're the 11th son born to me, you'll get the birthright blessing because I want you to have it. Right. And so it was just like his choice. So I love that he did reserve that for uh, Leah's first or for Rachel's first son, you know, and I don't know if he meant to save it or not, you know, but that's what we know. Um, so I like to think that he did mean for it on purpose um, because that way Rachel could I don't know, be validated in all her suffering. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> I mean, she must have been so old, you know? Okay. So elder Spencer J. Condi said in this age of one hour dry cleaning and one minute fast food franchises, it may at times seem to us as though a loving heavenly father has misplaced our precious promises or he has put them on hold or filed them under the wrong name. Such were the feelings of Rachel. But with the passage of time, we encounter four of the most beautiful words in Holy Writ. And God remembered Rachel. And she was blessed with the birth of Joseph and later the birth of Benjamin, 
There are millions on earth today who are descendants of Joseph who have embraced the Abrahamic promise that through their efforts shall all the families of the earth be blessed, even with the blessings of the gospel, which are the blessings of salvation, even of eternal, even of life eternal. When heaven's promises sometimes seem far afar off, I pray that each of us will embrace these exceeding great and precious promises and never let go. And just as God remembered Rachel, God will remember you. I love that. And I always, you know, Rachel didn't have um, Elder Holland, which is sad that she didn't have him, but I'm hoping that she would get comforted by these words anyway. Because they comforted me where Elder Holland said some blessings come now and some blessings come later and some don't come until heaven, but they come. And even though we might not get the blessings we want, we know that they will come. And I am grateful that all of our blessings, uh, the three blessings that we got came. And I, I say, I said all, but I know that we're waiting for others. Um, and so I take that word all back. <laughs> but three of them came. And we're so blessed to have those blessings among us. Okay, um, I think we're on verse 25. <laughs> also, sorry about the having the show on in the background. Man, I did my makeup this morning before Dad and I went to the temple. But now, I don't know if I have any left. <laughs> okay, um, let's see. I think we're on verse 26. Just kidding. Uh, 25. And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said unto Laban. Oh, yes. Here we are. Um, that Jacob said unto Laban, send me away that I may go unto mine own place and to my country. Man, because like I'm saying it, but I maybe Jacob said it in a nicer way. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served thee and let me go for thou knowest my service, which I have done thee. And Laban said unto him, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry, for I have learned my, by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. I mean, these are, um, Laban's grandkids. So he probably loved having them around, but also he probably loved having Jacob around and all his grandsons around to help him with the yard work and all that stuff, right? And he said, appoint me thy wages and I will give it. And he said unto him, thou knowest how I have served thee and how thy cattle was with me. For it was little which thou hast before I came and it is now increased unto a multitude, and the Lord hath blessed thee since my coming. And now, when shall I provide for mine own house also? So he's like, dude, I have served you for so long, and now look at, you, look at all the stuff that you have because of me, right? So can I just go? Like, what's up? Can I have my own house? Like, you know how normally, like, people think about their kids living in their home 
And they, you know, it's like, oh, you still have your kids living at home. And that's like kind of a bad thing. Well, apparently back then it was a great thing because then you didn't have to work as hard because you could make the kids do it all. And, <laughs> and, but Jacob, he's like, an, like, just wants to be independent. Obviously he knows how to live on his own and do his own thing, but he had to work for all these years to just be able to marry one daughter, you know? Um, and it's just messed up his deal that he did anyway. So you could kind of tell this guy's a little selfish. Um, and he said, uh, what shall I give thee? And Jacob said, thou shalt not give me anything. He's like, don't even just don't give me, just let me leave. You know, if thou wilt do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep thy flock. I will pass through all thy flock today, removing from thence all the speckled and spotted cattle and all the brown cattle among the sheep and the spotted and speckled among the goats and of such shall be my hire. So he was just saying like, look, I'll take all the messed up ones. Okay. Like you don't have to pay me, but if you want, like I'll take all the messed up ones. Okay. And this is the, so, so we're at 32. So here's some commentary. It is unclear how many years Jacob had been living with Laban, but it would have been over 14 years. So Jacob's obligation was fulfilled. Jacob had been there the original seven years and then had 11 sons and some daughters, even, or seven of the children born to Leah. And she even considered herself at one point to be no longer bearing children. So that can give us some idea how long they might have been there. Jacob was Isaac's birthright son and that carried great responsibilities. Jacob also would have known that he was not raising his family on the land that the Lord himself said would be theirs. So for many reasons, Jacob needed to take his family and return. Jacob needed to deal with Laban before he left. And Laban had a history of doing deceptive things in order to get his way. Laban would not want Jacob to leave and his family to leave, which is under understandable. Also, Jacob's experts, it's understandable, but totally mean. And also, Jacob's expert skills helped Laban's wealth grow, obviously. So Jacob leaving could hurt Laban, and Laban did not want this. So Jacob approached Laban with a plan, and Jacob needed one, and needed one because Laban was shrewd and unfair in the next, shrewd and unfair. In the next chapter, we will get a deeper idea of what Jacob dealt with when he said to Rachel and Leah, your father hath deceived me and changed my wages 10 times. That's in uh, Genesis 31, 7. So Jacob approached Laban and told Laban to let them leave. And Laban tried to persuade them to stay by asking Jacob, what shall I give thee? And Jacob then proposed his idea. In the Middle East, sheep and goats are generally white and black. Jacob was asking to be able to take the speckled, spotted, or striped sheep and goats. This would have been a small reward for Jacob compared to the sheep and goats that Laban retained. Jacob then explained that he would be truly honest with Laban. Remember, he was dealing with someone who might question Jacob's integrity because Laban would trick people for his own gain. So why wouldn't Jacob do the same thing, right? No. This guy's just messed up. So Jacob promised that if any non-spotted or striped sheep or goats were among those who Jacob took, they could be counted as stolen from Laban. <laughs> Sheesh. This guy, dude. Okay, so number 33. So shall so shall my righteousness answer for me in time to come, when it shall come for my hire before thy face. Every one that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the sheep, that shall be counted stolen with me. And Laban said... Behold, I would, it might be according to thy word, to thy word. 
35, and he removed that day the he-goats that were ring-streaked and spotted and all the she-goats that were speckled and spotted and every one that had some white in it and all the brown among the sheep and gave them into the hand of his sons. And he set three days journey betwixt himself and Jacob and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. What a nice son-in-law, you know? Like, he did not have to feed Laban's flocks, but he did just to help. Okay, and then 37. And Jacob took him rods of green poplar and of the, ha- of the hazel and chestnut tree and piled white stakes in them and made the white appear which was in the rods. And he set the rods which he had pile- pilled before the flocks in the gutters in the watering troughs when the flocks came to drink that they should conceive when they came to drink. And the flocks conceived before the rods and brought forth cattle, ring straight, speckled and spotted. Wow. That's some skill. Um, okay. Um, and Jacob did separate the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the ring streaked, ring streaked and all the brown and the flock of Laban. And he put his own flocks by themselves and put them not unto Laban's cattle. And it came to pass whatsoever, whensoever the stronger cattle did conceive that Jacob laid the rods before the eyes of the cattle in the gutters that they might conceive among the rods. But when the cattle were feeble, he put them not in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. And the man increased exceedingly and had much cattle and maid servants and manservants and camels and asses. Okay, so now we see Jacob is like, look, if you're going to trick me, I'm going to do some things, you know? He was mad now. He's like, now, like, we're for real. So... Laban's character was once again shown as he took the striped goats and spotted sheep and had his sons take them three days journey away. But this did not stop Jacob from getting his reward so he could depart. He took some branches and peeled them, apparently a common superstition of the day, and waved them before the flocks. The flocks then conceived and bore striped and spotted sheep. The word, the word cattle in verse 39 means sheep. We will learn in the next chapter that Jacob had received a vision and that God was going to help right this wrong. So we can understand that it was not the branches that caused this miracle, but it was God's work. See Genesis 31, 7 to 12. This caused Jacob's wealth to increase exceedingly. He was able to take the sheep and grow and grow his wealth until he had much cattle and maidservants and manservants and camels and asses. So this process of Jacob preparing to leave Haran would have taken a while. But when it was time to leave, Jacob had wealth, that he earned on his own. He would not return home empty-handed, but rather with a large family, many servants, and great wealth, which he could then combine with his inheritance. Dude. But, like, this guy is just continuing to deceive. Like, doesn't he know his son-in-law is, like, trustworthy now? Like, man. Anyways, maybe, maybe he just... I don't know. I don't know. Okay, we're on Genesis chapter 31. And the Lord commands Jacob to return to Canaan, and Jacob departs secretly. Laban pursues him. They resolve their differences and make a covenant of peace. Laban blesses his descendants, and he and Jacob part company. All right, here we go. And he, Jacob, um, I'm feeling the Jacob part, heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's, and of that 
which was our father's, hath he gotten all this glory? And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him as before. And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers, and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. Okay, so Jacob overheard Laban's sons accusing Jacob of taking Laban's property, which we know what's up. They did not see Jacob as earning what had come to him. They did not see Jacob was fairly taking what was his and building upon it until he had rightly earned the wealth that was now his. Instead, they saw Jacob's wealth as taken from their father, which means that it would have been their inheritance, right? So so that's why like they were bringing it up. So this could be a dangerous situation. Meanwhile, Jacob noticed that the countenance of Laban had changed, meaning Laban's disposition, disposition toward Jacob had changed from the friendly relations they had previously had. Right, friendly. <laughs> From it always favoring um, Laban, obviously. The Lord then directed Jacob to return to the land of his fathers and promised Jacob that I will be with thee. Okay, so um, here's verse 4. And Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field unto his flock and said unto them, I see your father's countenance that it is not toward me as before, but the God of father but the God of my father hath been with me. Ye know that with all my power I have served your father, and your father hath deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God suffered him not to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be thy wages, then all the cattle bear speckled. And if he said thus, the ring strake shall be thy hire, then bear all the cattle ring strake. Thus God hath taken away the cattle of your father and given them to me. And it came to pass at the time that the cattle conceived that I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream and behold, the rams which leaped upon the cattle were ring straked, speckled and grizzled. And the angel of of God spake unto me in a dream saying, Jacob, and I said, "Here here am I. And he said, Lift up now thine eyes, and see all the rams which leap upon the cattle are ringstrake, ringstrake speckled and gristled. For I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar, and where thou vowedest a vow unto me. Now arise and get thee out from this land and return unto the land of thy kindred. And Rachel and Leah answered and said unto him, Is there yet any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not counted of him strangers? For he hath sold us and hath quite devoured also our money for all the riches which God hath taken from our father that is ours and our children's. Now then whatsoever God hath said unto thee do. I love it. It's a great response. Um, Okay, so we have some more information. Um, Jacob received revelation from the Lord and called Leah and Rachel together to counsel with him. Jacob detailed the loyalty he had given their father and how Laban had deceived Jacob. Then he recounted the dream where God made it clear that Jacob's wealth had come through God's hand. Rachel and Leah were aware of their father's greed and expressed their displeasure in how their father had behaved, including 
with how their father sold them. Perhaps the seven years of service was not entirely Jacob's idea, but instead one of Laban's shrewd ways to take as much advantage as possible. Rachel and Leah had no reason to stay. There was no inheritance for them anyway. And then they pre- they expressed their most important reason for leaving. Whatsoever God hath said unto thee, do. President Howard W. Hunter used this ver- these verses to help teach this important principle. When Jacob was instructed to return to the land of Canaan, which meant leaving all for which he had worked many years, he called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was and explained what the Lord had said. The reply of Rachel was simple and straightforward and indicative of her commitment. Whatsoever God hath said unto thee, do. We have then examples from the scriptures of how we should consider and evaluate the commandments of the Lord. If we choose to react like Joshua and Abraham and Rebecca and Rachel, our response will be simply to go and do the thing that the Lord has commanded. There is good reason to make our decision now to serve the Lord. We should decide now, in the light of the morning, how we will act when the darkness of the night and when the storms of temptation arrive. I pray that we will have the strength to decide now to do what we ought to do. I pray that we will decide now to serve the Lord. President Howard W. Hunter, October 1982 General Conference. Ooh, I'm going to have to look that one up. That sounds like a good talk. Um, Okay, so verse 17. Then Jacob rose up and set his sons and his wives upon camels. And he carried away all his cattle and all his goods, which he had gotten, the cattle of his getting, which he had gotten in Padanaram, for to go to Isaac, his father, in the land of Canaan. And Laban went to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the images that were her father's. And Jacob stole away unawares to Laban, the Syrian, in that he told him not that he fled. So he fled with all that he had, and he rose up and passed over the river and set his face toward the Mount Gilead. And it was told and it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob was fled. And he took his brethren with him and pursued after him seven days' journey, and they overtook him in the Mount Gilead. And God came to Laban, the Syrian, in a dream by night, and said unto him, Take heed that thou speak not to Jacob, either good or bad. Okay, so Jacob and his family packed up and left, kind of like in the night. So imagine what a huge amount of work this would have been. They had to pack up all their goods, take all the animals, take their tents, and also take provisions for the 500-mile journey they were going to take. And they did this without Laban knowing. <laughs> I remember when when we had to, um, Madison and I had to pack La Abuelita in the middle of the night and moved her to our house and got rid of a lot of stuff. But also there's still a bunch of stuff in our storage, in our garage. Um because she wasn't in her right mind like we like she would not have wanted to move and her trying to help us would have been the worst it would have taken years anyway so here we go so i can understand how this would be like quite the undertaking and they did this without laban knowing which would be, be which could be because they knew that laban would try some tactic to keep them to stay 
While packing up, Rachel took some of her father's idols. Some scholars believe that Rachel may have felt that they were part of her dowry. It was three days before Laban realized that Jacob's entire family had left. And Laban, <laughs> which is so crazy, right? Um, and, and then went after them. Overtaking Jacob would not have been a hard, would not have been hard because Jacob had wives, children, servants, and many animals that they were traveling with. Their progression would have been slow. The Lord interceded and warned Laban. The phrase good or bad can also be said from good to bad, a warning not to have an interaction that starts out good and then goes bad. Oh, yeah, that makes more sense. Okay, verse 25. Then Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob and had pitched his tent in the mount, and Laban with his brethren pitched in the mount of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, these were these are like his complaints, okay? What hast thou done that thou hast stolen away unawares to me and carried away my daughters as captives taken with the sword? <laughs> Wherefore didst thou flee away secretly and steal away from me and didst not tell me that I might have sent thee away with mirth and with songs and with tabret and with harp? And hast not suffered me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Thou hast now done foolishly so in so doing. It is in the power of my hand to do you hurt. But the God of your father spake unto me yesternight, saying, Take thee heed that thou speak not to Jacob either good or bad. And now, though thou wouldest needs be gone, because thou, because thou sore longest after thy father's house yet wherefore hast thou stolen my gods okay so that's his his complaints so laban then arrived and rather than sounding angry he told jacob how hurt he was jacob had prevented laban from kissing his family goodbye and in throwing them a goodbye feast he would have sent them off with mirth and with songs and with tabret and with harp is what he says oh and would and who stole my gods or his idols? Laban added. <laughs> okay, so then verse 31, and Jacob answered and said to Laban, because I was afraid, for I said, peradventure, thou wouldst take by force thy daughters from me. Well, of course, because it makes sense that he would be afraid that that would happen since that's what, I mean, he kept saying that, the, that he needed to serve them for seven years. So he'd probably be like, well, if you're going to leave, you got to serve another seven years, something crazy, you know? So... It makes sense that he was afraid that that would happen, right? And 32, with whomsoever thou findest thy gods, let him not live. Before our brethren discern thou what is thine with me and take it to thee. For Jacob knew not that Rachel had stolen them. <laughs> and Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the two maidservants' tents, but he found them not. Then he went out of Leah's tent and entered into Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the images and put them in the camel's furniture and sat upon them. And Laban searched all the tent, but found them not. And she said to her father, Let it not displease my Lord that I cannot rise up before thee, for the custom of women is upon me. And she searched, and he searched, but found not the images. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that she meant it was that time of the month and she was not about to stand up. And that makes sense because back in the day, they didn't have tampons that, or sport tampons that allowed people to run around and do crazy things. Um, and so I love that she said that. Um, 
I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to use that though. The custom of women is upon me. <laughs> I'm sorry, the custom of women is upon me. <laughs> okay, so then Jacob knew Laban's character and answered Laban honestly and boldly. He left because he feared what Laban would try to do. That was the story that Jacob would have been dealing with. There would have been no goodly goodbye feast offered. Jacob knew nothing of the images that Rachel had taken and allowed Laban to search the camp and promised that whoever took them would die. <laughs> wow, so dramatic. We will see in a few verses how upset Jacob was about this whole situation because Jacob had only been honest and true to Laban for 20 years and now he had chased them down searching searching for idol for the idols. Laban then searched the camp and when he reached Rachel's tent Rachel quickly came up with the way to hide the idols. She put them in the camel's furniture and sat upon them. When her father entered she explained that she could not rise because the custom of women is upon me, meaning menstruation. <laughs> I told you which caused the women to be apart. So Laban then searched everywhere except for where Rachel was sitting. Dude, this is not a lie that Jacob was having, though. Um, to me, I think, you know, it was between Rachel and her dad, you know? Like, yeah, if he could find it, whatever, you know, he could take the idols back or whatever. But you know what? This was... Rachel knew that her her dad would uh, be in pain. And I think this was, and this is not a scholar thing, okay? This is me as a daughter and who struggled with infertility, who also has struggled with betrayal trauma, um, thinking, okay, this daughter of his knew what would hurt him. And she decided to take those because he had hurt her. And she was just trying to get back at him. Not that it would be any kind of payment back for what had happened, but that she needed to do this on her own. So, yeah, I feel bad that Jacob had to kind of get in the middle a little bit, but that's just what happened, you know? Okay, so verse 36 says, And Jacob was wroth and shod, chode with Laban. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is my trespass? What is my sin that thou hast so hotly pursued after me? Whereas thou hast searched all my stuff, what hast thou found of all thy household stuff? Set it here before my brethren and thy brethren, that they may judge between betwixt, betwixt us both. This twenty years I have been with thee, thy ewes and thy she-goats have not cast their young, and the rams of the flock have I not eaten. That which was torn of beasts I brought not unto thee, I bear the loss of it. Of my hand didst thou require it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Thus I was in the day, the drought consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sheep departed from mine eyes. Thus have I been twenty years in thy house. I serve thee fourteen years for thy two daughters, and six years for thy cattle, and thou hast changed my wages ten times. Except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me. Surely thou hast sent me away now empty. God hath seen my affliction and labor of my hands and rebuked thee yesternight. And Laban answered and said unto Jacob, These daughters are my daughters, and these children are my children, and these cattle are my cattle, and all that thou seest is mine. And what can I do this day unto these my daughters or unto their children which they have borne? Okay. 
So then, some commentary. Jacob was not pleased with what was happening, and he chode with Laban. This means Jacob scolded and reproved him. Jacob pointed out that he had served Laban faithfully for 20 years and had given Laban complete faithful service, never cheating him in any way. And what did Jacob receive in return? A master who has changed his wages 10 times. And if Laban would have had his way, Jacob would have left empty-handed. So true. Not cool. Okay, so then verse 44. Now, therefore, come thou, let us make a covenant, I and thou, and let it be for a witness between me and thee. And Jacob took a stone and set it up for a pillar. And Jacob said unto the, his brethren, Gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap, and they did eat there upon the heap. And Laban called it Jegar Sahadutha, but Jacob called it Galid. And Laban said, This heap is a witness between me and thee this day. Therefore was, was the name of it called Galid. And Mizpah, for he said, The Lord watch between me and thee when we are absent one from another. If thou shalt afflict my daughters, or if thou shalt take other wives besides my daughters, no man is with us. See, God is witness betwixt me and thee. <laughs> I love that, like, he was all like, if you take any other daughters to wife, like as if it was his idea to have multiple wives in the first place, you know, it was totally Laban's idea. Remember, Jacob only ever wanted one. And Laban said to Jacob, behold, this heap and behold, this pillar, which I have cast betwixt me and thee, this heap be witness and this pillar be witness that I will not pass over this heap to thee and that thou shalt not pass over this heap and this pillar unto me for harm. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor and the God of their father judge betwixt, betwixt us and Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. Then Jacob offered sacrifice upon the mount and called his brethren to eat bread and they did eat bread and tarried all night in the mount. And early in the morning, Laban rose up and kissed his sons and his daughters and blessed them. And Jacob er, and Laban departed and returned unto his place. Like all that, you know? Okay. So then Laban, uh, some commentary. So Laban would not accept Jacob's rebuke. Why would he ever want to harm Jacob? <laughs> That's crazy. Of course. Like if he didn't want to harm him, he was he wasn't ever trying to harm him he was trying to take advantage that's different and so of course he's like what i wasn't trying to hurt you these were his daughters and those were his grandchildren laban then proposed that they should make a covenant that they would not harm one to another of course now in order to make it look good he's all like let's make a covenant because he knew that if he didn't make a covenant that jacob could could rise up and come back and get him right because now he knows the lord is with him and so he's probably just trying to cover his own uh his own self to make sure that he'll be safe without um that he'll be safe and and that jacob won't come after him right um, then proposed that he should make a covenant that would not harm one another they built a pillar of stones as a witness and promised that neither one would pass over the pillar for harm josephus called this pillar an altar which is likely since then jacob offered sacrifice upon the mount finally jacob was free to leave but he still had one great concern what will esau do when he returns Ooh, esau 
Okay. Um, that's right. We were still thinking about Esau. Okay, Genesis chapter 32. It says, Jacob sees angels. He asks God to preserve him from Esau, for whom he prepares presents. He wrestles all night with a messenger of God. Jacob's name is changed to Israel. He sees God face to face. Verse 1. And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's host. And he called the name of that place. Mahanaim. 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 I don't know. Uh, so when Jacob began his journey 20 years earlier, he had a remarkable vision in Bethel. Now on his return, he again meets with angels of God and calls them God's hosts. So he's just getting visits from angels. That's awesome. Every time he travels, like, wouldn't you travel more? Oh boy, I lost my place. Okay. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, unto the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall ye speak unto my lord Esau, thy servant Jacob, saith thus, I have sojourned with Laban, and stayed there until now. And I have oxen and asses, flocks and men servants and women servants, and I have sent to tell my lord that I may find grace in thy sight. Verse 6, And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee, and four hundred men with him. And Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that was with him, and the flocks, and the herds, and the camels, into two bands, and said, If Esau come to the one company and smite it, then the other company which is left shall escape. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which saidest unto me, return to the, unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal with well with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him lest he will come and smite me, and the mother with the children. And thou saidst, I surely I will and thou saidst, I will surely do thee good, and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for mul for multitude. And he lodged there that same night, and took of that which came to his hand a present for Esau his brother. Okay. So here it says, as Jacob approached where Esau resided, he sent messengers to Esau. It had been 20 years. Had Esau forgot, forgiven him or did Esau still want to kill Jacob? Jacob was doing as the Lord commanded him. He was returning to his home. But there were some real concerns and Jacob did not know how it was going to work out. He was acting in faith. Jacob's message to Esau began with the humble beginning as he called himself Esau's servant. He then explained where he had been and that he had found great success during the last 20 years. The messengers then returned with the report that Esau was coming and he had 400 men with him. <laughs> Did this mean that Jacob's greatest fears were coming true? Was Esau coming with his own army to attack Jacob and his family and servants? Jacob came up with a plan that would only save half of his people. If he were divided in half and Esau attacked one half, then the other half could escape. What a pathetic situation he was envisioning. How terrified they must have felt. 
Jacob remembered that the Lord had promised him more than once that he would be with him. So Jacob appealed to the Lord. And you can hear his great faith in his prayer. We can see Jacob clinging to his faith in this time when he was greatly afraid and distressed. Notice his prayer. He is returning just as the Lord hath told him to do. And he was promised that the Lord would do well with him. And he remembers the promise that his seed will be as the sand of the sea. These are the truths that Jacob was clinging to in this terrifying moment where his family was now split in two. Um, I like how Don't Miss This kind of also pointed out that. Remember the prayer that Jacob said at the beginning um, where he was kind of in the rocks and he was going to sleep in the rocks? It was kind of like a prayer like, hey, if you're really there, you know, you'll help me out kind of a thing. But then he had that uh, that dream. But then, um, which, which is totally normal when you're first, you know, on your own, like to ask Heavenly Father, are you really there? And then, of course, now he knows and he's so grateful for all the blessings that he received. And, and I like that he started out with gratitude and then also like reminding him like, hey, by the way, remember you blessed me when you're, you know, when your life is in danger, you're like, you promised we would have a sand of the sea um generations and posterity right so it just makes sense that he would like bring that up that's why i was kind of laughing because i was like of course he brings that up when he thinks his life is threatened <laughs> but anyways okay we're gonna pause because finn just came in okie dokes so verse 14 200 she goats and 20 he goats 200 ewes and 20 rams okay this is we're putting together a present for esau remember 30 milk camels with their colts, 40, not, 40 kine and 10 bulls, 20 she-asses and 10 foals. And he delivered them into the hand of his servants, every drove by themselves, and said unto his servants, Pass over before me and put a space betwixt drove and drove. And he commanded the foremost, saying, When Esau my brother meeteth thee and asketh thee, saying, Whose art thou? And whither goest thou? And whose are these before thee? Then thou shalt say, They be thy servant Jacob's. It is a present sent unto my lord Esau, and behold, also he is behind us. And so commanded he the second and the third and all that followed the drove, saying, On this manner shall ye speak unto Esau when ye find him. And say ye moreover, Behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goeth before me, and afterward I will see his face. Peradventure he will accept of me. <laughs> this is kind of cute that he's trying to do all this stuff. But, so, okay, hold on. Verse 21. So went the present over before him and himself lodged that night in the company. Okay, so I think it's pretty sweet that he's doing this for his brother. And remember, he left because his mom was afraid that he would kill him because that's what Esau said he was going to do. So he's still kind of scared that he is going to get killed. <laughs> now, he probably didn't really think he was going to get killed like way back in the day, but he left anyway, right? But what happened since then? Probably him being deceived by his father-in-law made him realize how mad he, how, how, uh, and how it would have felt to be deceived that way. And so he probably was now for real thinking, oh dude, now I get it. 
now I get why anybody would be mad if they were being deceived because I was deceived and I was mad about it and I've had to suffer like this whole time, right? I mean, he knows that he's been blessed, but like he also knows that his, I mean, his wives also know how it feels to to be deceived too. So of course they would be like, yeah, he's totes mad. You better get him some gifts. So anyway, so of course they have all this put together and here's some commentary. Jacob then had the idea to give Esau a really large and generous gift. It is likely that he was that this was revelation received after Jacob's prayer for protection. Perhaps if Esau was angry that Jacob had taken his inheritance, this would help. For this gift would be a very large inheritance for any son. So it was total 550 animals. The plan was to deliver each group of animals one at a time rather than all at once. Giving the gift in this dramatic fashion (laughs) and hopefully softening Esau's heart as a gift after gift was given... Um, as the animals were given, the servant was to explain that they were thy servant Jacob's. It is a present sent unto my Lord Esau and behold, also he is behind us. Then when Jacob finally arrived to Esau, Esau would be appeased and he would accept Jacob. Right? So like that was the, that was the goal. Um, but also like, remember Jacob pretty much had to earn like all the stuff. And so he, it wasn't like he got all of these things and he's been living the life and living the dream, right? Like he's been working so hard and his, um, and Laban had taken a bunch of his own things. And so it's almost like he's starting over, but like he is now giving Esau all of these things that he's just earned. Right. Um, and he's like, I'll just give it away. I don't care. Right. Like I'll just give it to him cause he's my brother and we were not cool, but now I want to be cool with them because, he's my brother. And also I don't want to die. And like, of course, you know, when he's like your only family left, you want to continue to have a good relationship with them. Okay. So then verse 22, and he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his 11 sons and passed over the Ford Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had and Jacob was left alone and there were and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day and when he saw that he prevailed not against him he touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint and he wrestled with him and he said let me go for the day breaketh and he said I will not let thee go except thou bless me and he said unto him what is thy name and he said Jacob And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, wherefore it is that thou dost ask after my name. And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Penel for Yeah, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Penuel, Penuel, the sun rose upon him and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore, the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh. 
unto this day because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh and the sinew that shrank. Um, so Jacob's name is changed to Israel right there. We see, okay, some commentary. Jacob then took his family across the river and they returned alone to pray to the Lord. What follows may seem strange as it talks about Jacob wrestling with an unknown man. This is what the Old Testament seminary teacher manual explains about these verses. Um, sometimes we wrestle with an unknown man also, which is normally our natural man, right? <laughs> Um, or natural woman. Sometimes I wrestle with that, uh, or with her. Okay. The blessing Jacob sought may have been an assurance from the Lord that he and his family would be safe from Esau. Although we do not know exactly what was transpiring here. Excuse me. We do know that Jacob wrestled all night for a blessing that he eventually received. This experience represents the great effort Jacob put forth as he sought this blessing from the Lord. So this is the Old Old Testament Seminary Teacher Manual, Lesson 35. This Ensign article gives this great perspective. At some point that evening, he was joined by a person who would be with him for the rest of the night. All the details of Jacob's wrestle, as it were, are not made clear in the biblical record. But we know that Jacob would not let his visitor leave until the visitor gave him a special blessing. Also, it seems reasonable to suppose that Jacob's wrestle was physical as well as spiritual, because the text is specific in its description of Jacob's dislocated hip. It is not entirely clear from the Bible the nature of Jacob's experience. The Hebrew word used to describe patriarch's visitor is simply ish, meaning man, without over-reference, overt reference to divine status. President Joseph Fielding Smith offered the following, Who wrestled with Jacob on Mount Peniel? They, the scriptures say it was a man. The Bible interpreters say it was an angel. More than likely, it was a messenger sent to Jacob to give him a blessing. To think he wrestled and held an angel who couldn't get away (laughs) is out of the question. The term angel, as used in the scriptures at times, refers to messengers who are sent with some important instruction. Later in this chapter, when Jacob said he had beheld the Lord that, that did not have reference to his wrestling. Um, at, at Jabbok, Jacob was brought to the limit of his faith and understanding. He stood figuratively in the place his grandfather Abraham had stood when God asked for the life of Isaac. And Abraham could not see how the promises of the covenant, specifically the promise of great posterity, would be fulfilled. Abraham had been obedient in the face of a test that shook him to his very core. Jacob, likewise, was obedient in the face of his ordeal, but he desired a blessing from the being with whom he talked, a blessing to strengthen his faith and guide the course of his life. He wanted and needed light and knowledge. This is from Andrew Skinner, Enzyme March, 1998. Okay, so now we are at Genesis chapter 33. Oh, and this one's kind of short, so that's good. Okay. Jacob and Esau meet and are reconciled. Esau receives Jacob's present. Jacob settles in Canaan where he builds an altar. Okay. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, Esau came and with him 400 men. And he divided the children unto Leah and unto Rachel and unto the two handmaids. And he put the handmaids and their children foremost and Leah and her children after and Rachel and Joseph hindermost. 
and he passed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. And Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. Oh, what a cute reunion, right? And he lifted up his eyes and saw the women and the children and said, Who are those with thee? And he said, The children which God hath graciously given thy servant. Then the handmaidens came near, they and their children, and they bowed themselves. Okay, so verse 1 to 3 says, Jacob saw Esau coming. This art, oh, that's just like this art right here um, that's showing in the book captures this moment jacob then divided up his family and set them forth this would help esau see that jacob was not expecting to fight for women and children would never be placed in battle line like that then jacob went ahead and as he approached esau jacob bowed himself to the ground he did this seven times until it finally reached esau oh that's cute and it looked like esau was just running to meet him you know and then it says, and the handmaids came near and they, and their children and they bowed themselves. And Leah also with her children came near and bowed themselves. And after came Joseph near and Rachel and they bowed themselves. And he said, what meanest thou by all this drove which I met? And he said, these are to, th to find grace in the sight of my Lord. And Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep that thou hast unto thyself. I love that. Esau's like, ah, it's cool. You're, you're cool. I have a lot of stuff. You're good. <laughs> you can keep it. Right? Like he didn't need that. And Jacob said, nay, I pray thee, if, I, if now I found grace in thy sight, then receive my present at my hand. For therefore I have seen thy face as though I had seen the face of God, and thou wast pleased with me. Kind of reminds me of the prodigal son story it's like a, the prodigal brother story <laughs> the prodigal brother's story you would just think that like this just makes makes me cry because it's just like two brothers who didn't have a good relationship now get to see each other again and they love each other and they have a good relationship like that's just what a mom would always want for her, her sons you know take i pray thee my blessing that is brought to thee because God hath dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. And he urged him and he took it. And he said, let us take our journey and let us go and I will go before thee. And he said unto him, my Lord knoweth that the children are tender and the flocks and herds with young are with me. And if men should overdrive them one day, all the flock will die. Let my Lord, I pray thee, pass over before this before his servant, and I will lead on softly according as the cattle that goeth before me, and the children be able to endure until I come unto my Lord, unto Seir. And Esau said, Let me now leave with thee some of the folk that are with me. And he said, What needeth it? Let me find grace in thy sight of my in the sight of my Lord. So Esau returned that day on his way unto Seir. And Jacob journeyed to Sukkoth and built him a house and made booths for his cattle. Therefore, the name of the place is called Sukkoth. And Jacob come to Shalem and the city of Shechem, Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Paddan Aram and pitched his tent before the city. And he brought he bought a parcel of a field where he had spread his tent at the hand of the children of Hamer. 
Shechem's father for an hundred pieces of money. And he erected there an altar and called it El Elohi Israel. Okay, so some more commentary. And Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. Could there be a more beautiful scripture than this? Nope. It's so cute. It's so sweet and tender. Instead of drawing swords, Jacob and Esau embraced and both men wept. Two brothers separated for 20 years, now reunited. Esau then saw Jacob's wives and children, and each group approached Esau and bowed themselves. These were all Esau's family. Family he did not know he had. And Esau then rejected the gifts. <laughs> what a tender moment. Then Jacob convinced him to take the gifts and said that seeing Esau's face was like seeing the face of God. Esau then wanted to escort Jacob, but Jacob refused and said that his company of children and animals would be too slow to keep up with Esau and his men. They then separated and Jacob arrived to Sukkoth, where he settled his family. So the question here to write down in your journal or to think about, how can this story help you heal relationships in your life? What principles in this story can guide you in healing those relationships? I love that. It's definitely like, you know, Jacob was able to see how hurt Esau could have been. And so he, uh, because Jacob was able to experience that firsthand now. And so, um, and that's why he was trying to help him with, um, by giving him all those things to help him know, like, I get what I put you through kind of thing, you know? Um, but then Esau was so sweet, you know, and just being the older brother, like, it's cool. You don't have to pay me to love you. I love you no matter what. Um, something that the don't miss this peeps said, um, I want to make sure I get it right. So hold on. Okay. So in this story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I should say these stories, don't miss this. Um, they say that Abraham, through Abraham, we learn that God is a God who makes promises and keeps his promises. And through Isaac, we learn that God is a God who provides, like he provided a way for Isaac to not be killed. And he provided that ram. And then through Jacob, he is a God who prevails. He is a God who gives second chances and third chances until we allow him to prevail in our lives. And he will continue to give us as many chances as we need. And I love that. And so they said, instead of saying Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he they said, think of them, or when you think of them, we can think of the Lord as a God who promises, who provides, and who prevails. Promises, provides, and prevails. And I love that. And I can testify that that's true. That that is what he is for me. Thanks for showing up. I love you and... Continue to have hope in Christ. Until next time.